Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Off in the S's, a podcast focusing on the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. I'm your host, Stu, and on today's show, despite the really high expectations for the Rolex 24, it did not disappoint. From the amazing finish that we saw in LMP2 to the constant battles going on in the GTD classes, it was an amazing way to start the 2023 season. And heading into this season opening race, all eyes were locked on the GTP class and the new LMDH cars that were going to be running in it. In the first race for the LMDH spec cars, it was the Meyer Shank Racing number 60 Acura ARX 06 of Tom Blomquist, Helio Castroneves, Simon Pagano, and Colin Braun that claimed victory, putting on a dominant performance. They would lead 365 of the 783 laps in this race, and really throughout the whole thing, they just looked like the class of the field. However, as many 24-hour races are, it was not straightforward for them. After starting on pole and getting off to a strong start, it really didn't take long for the Cadillacs and the Porsches, who had been a little bit slower during the week, to step up and show that they could be suitable competition for the Acura. Despite this, though, the, the Acura still did lead a fair amount at the beginning of the race and really seemed to be on cruise control up until about the four and a half hour mark. After Tom Blomquist, who seemingly looked unstoppable during this entire race when he was in the car, once he got out of the car and turned it, turned it over to his teammates, they started to lose a little bit of pace. Not only did they lose some pace though, but they started to make a few little sloppy mistakes. For instance, Simon Pagano in the International Horseshoe actually made contact with an LMP2 competitor, the Tower Motorsports entry. He just kind of came down on him in the middle of the corner, thinking that maybe he was clear. This ended up spinning around the Tower Motorsports Orica, causing the number 01 at Chip Ganassi Racing entry to have to slam on the brakes and take evasive action. And this ultimately led to an LMP3 at no fault of their own, rear-ending the 01 and causing some damage. It was ultimately deemed a racing incident by the stewards, but it wasn't really an ideal sign being only four and a half hours into the race to be making little mistakes like that. However, the number 60 would continue to show strong pace until around the eight hour mark. The temps were dropping on track and drivers were really starting to struggle for tire grip. And this is when Cadillac started to really emerge as a legitimate competitor. As the temperatures continued to drop, more and more drivers were finding issues Early on, early on in stints, since of course there's no tire warmers in IMSA, they were going out on ice cold tires and it was like they were driving on a skating rink. We saw so many cars going off in the International Horseshoes just as a result of having cold tires. In fact, just after a safety car restart, that Meyer Shank Racing Acura while battling for the lead into turn one, just lost it and spun around. There were some huge flat spots on these tires and immediately after a pit stop under that safety car restart, they had to come back down pit road and change the tires once again. Despite this unplanned stop, they would manage to barely stay on the lead lap. But despite this, their pace didn't seem like it was quite what it was earlier. As the night continued to set in, the 0-1 Cadillac really emerged as the fastest car out on track, leading a majority of the late night laps and entering the morning hours with a very healthy lead. Through the late night hours and into the early morning, there was actually a very long stretch of green flag racing. 
Almost six hours to be exact. That long green flag stint all came to an end when the number 20 LMP2 entry lost it in the Le Mans chicane and uh, an ensuing full course yellow eliminated any lead that the 01 Cadillac had built up. After the safety car bunched the field back up, it was pretty much all Meyer Shank from there. That Acura was clearly the best car on restarts and especially early on in the run and it really allowed them to just bolt out ahead of the field and get some nice clean air and build up a bit of a gap. They would cruise to victory but it was the other Acura that had a bit more of an eventful run at the end of the race. The number 10 Wayne Taylor Racing Acura would really fight back hard in the final couple of hours with all the safety cars that came out and they would actually gain a couple of laps back. This brought them into contention and on the final restart of the race with just about half an hour to go, they cruised past the number one Chip Ganassi Racing Cadillac to second place on the podium. After a strong race themselves, the 0-1 would round out the podium in GTP. Now, I mentioned it was an eventful race for Meyer Shank Racing. Well, after the race was completed in the post-race press conference, they revealed that they had been battling a gearbox problem since about the six-hour mark of the race. The team was seen at various points in the race, removing the rear engine cover and topping up fluids, presumably to help combat this issue. And at one point in the race, team members were scrambling in the Meyer Shank Racing garage area in what was appeared to be preparing an entire new rear end assembly for the car. All in all, Meyer Shank Racing said that they were just lucky to have completed the race. GTP was exciting to watch, but it was nowhere near as exciting as the finish in LMP2. An incredible photo finish would round out the race for them in what started off as what seemed to be kind of a regular LMP2 race. Ben Keating opened the race starting on pole for the class and really put in an incredible first couple of stints building up a sizable lead. He in that number 52 PR1 Matheson Motorsports entry would go on to dominate the first half of the race leading 251 of the first 390 laps. Stephen Thomas and the number 11 TDS racing entry also looked strong themselves. However, when leading, Thomas would cut across the nose of a GT3 entry going into the Le Mans chicane. Fortunately, it just seemed like he wasn't clear at the time and actually go into the wall hard, ultimately leading to their race ending early. Various penalties and incidents would just plague the class as the race went along, as the number 18 Aero Motorsports entry would ultimately retire from the race and the number 52 car that was so dominant early on would fall out of contention. It wasn't until the final few hours of the race where this class really emerged as one to watch, which with battles going on in this class for the entirety of the final stints. These battles would ultimately culminate in that last lap, last corner pass for the win. On the final lap, it really seemed like that the 0-4, that Crutchstrike Racing entry, what they had it locked down. Proton, they, they sent it in around the outside. They couldn't really make it stick. And the Crowdstrike Racing entry got a really good exit off of turn one. And it looked like they had, they had enough of a gap to be able to maintain their lead for the remainder of that final lap. They'd be able to pretty well maintain that lead around the entire lap until the exit of the Le Mans chicane. 
Coming out of the chicane, the number 55 Proton Competition entry got a really good run. And as they moved through NASCAR's turn three and four, you really started to realize that maybe they had enough momentum and a strong enough slipstream to take a crack at the win. Well, they did have a good enough slipstream and that number 55 entry was able to beat the 0-4 to the line by just about a wheel length. Fred Portad, Francesco Pizzi, James Allen, and Gia Maria Bruni took the win ahead of the 0-4 with the number 88 AF Corsa entry completing the podium. LMP3 was a war of attrition with only five of the nine starters actually finishing the race. The number 17 AWA Duquesne of Anthony Mantella, Wayne Boyd, Nico Verone, and Thomas Merrill took the win with the number 33 Sean Creech Motorsports entry coming in second place 12 laps behind the class winners and the Performance Tech Ligier would wrap up the podium 16 laps down. Really, the class was just plagued by reliability issues the entire race. If it wasn't a car catching on fire or losing a motor, then there was some damage that was caused by some contact from another class. And all of these issues really prevented any, any really good battles from developing, especially on the second half of the race. GTD Pro was perhaps the best class to watch from start to finish, in this year's Rolex. There were great battles throughout the entire race from manufacturers like Aston Martin, Acura, Lexus, and Mercedes that ultimately culminated in the number 79 WeatherTech Racing entry taking the win. Cooper McNeil, who announced that he would be making his final start in IMSA, wins the Rolex on his last attempt, along with teammates Danny Uncadella, Jules Gunion, and Mauro Engel. They took the win by just over four seconds from the number three Corvette, and rounding out the podium was the number 14 Vassar Sullivan Lexus. The Mercedes and the Aston Martin, they really seem to be on another level throughout this race, clearly showing the best pace in their class. And really, like I said, there were some great battles that, that unfolded throughout the entirety of this race. Unfortunately, the heart of racing Aston Martin, which led 215 laps earlier in the race, would experience issues after an off-track around the 16-hour mark, and that would ultimately drop them out of contention. However, for the Astons, it was a different story in the GTD class. Much like the GTD Pro class, it was dominated by the likes of Mercedes and Aston Martin, but this time it was the number 27 Heart of Racing Aston Martin driven by Roman DeAngelis, Marco Sorensen, Ian James, and Darren Turner that would walk away with the victory. They beat out the number 44 Aston Martin Magnus Racing entry by just over five seconds, with the number 70 Inception Racing McLaren rounding out the podium. Like in the pro class, we saw some great battles here as well from the likes of Acura, Lexus, McLaren, Mercedes, and Aston Martin. They were all duking it out throughout the entire race. We saw a really strong performance from Acura, actually, with multiple cars up near the front, and both of those cars leading chunks of the race at various points. But really, the storyline that we're going to come out of this year's Rolex with in GTD is going to be the BOP discussion. I really hate that BOP is coming in and playing a role here, but unfortunately there were four manufacturers in particular that were really hurt by the BOP in this race. BMW, Ferrari, Porsche, and Lamborghini were all considerably slower than their class counterparts, and it was most noticeable in a straight line when the cars were on the banking. While some of the cars, such as the number 9 FAF Motorsports Porsche, were able to grind out a respect 
respectable finishing class, none of these cars had the pace anywhere close to being able to compete for victory. This is gonna be a storyline that we're just gonna to have to keep an eye on over the next couple of months as we head towards Sebring, and I expect that there's gonna be some pretty significant BOP changes heading into the round two of the season. Let's take it back to the GTP class for a minute because really at the end of the day, they were the focus of this race for the majority of the 24 hours. Overall, it was clear that Acura had the best pace in this class. And it's probably realistic to think that we're going to see them taken down a small notch heading into Sebring. But some pros coming out of it are that I think Cadillac and Porsche, they looked pretty close in terms of on-track pace as they were able to duke it out with one another at various points throughout this race. That was until the Porsches kind of dropped out of contention with not only some reliability issues, but really just some driver errors. And while those three manufacturers did all lead laps at various points in the race, BMW really just didn't seem to have the pace here. And although their pace got a bit better as the race went on, they weren't still exactly quick. Combined with multiple failures that they saw throughout the race, I think it's safe to say that there's still quite a bit of work that needs to be done to this car to get it ready to compete for class wins. Overall though, I think this race really went better than especially I would have expected it to. Reliability issues, which were a big talking point going into this, they were there, but they didn't really rear their head in the way that I think everybody thought they would. And ultimately, we walk away from this race remembering a pretty dominant performance from Acura, as well as some valiant efforts put forward by Cadillac and Porsche, and a BMW entry that we know we're going to see get better as the season goes on. The incredible fan interest in this year's race is also a big thing to take away from this race. With many who were present at the Rolex reporting, this is the biggest crowd that they've seen in recent memory for the race. Moving on from the on-track action, there was plenty of off-track news coming out of the Rolex. Corvette has officially unveiled their new Z06 GT3R that will enter competition in 2024, featuring a 5.5 liter flat plane V8 derived from the production Corvette Z06. It will share over 70% of its engine components with that production engine, with the ultimate goal here to design and produce a GT3 spec Corvette that's able to race around the world. And with this announcement, it sure seems like we're going to see more Corvettes, not only on the IMSA grid, but they also announced a planned two-car effort in the World Endurance Championship. In fact, also with this announcement, emerged a team that's going to be running this car from a customer standpoint in IMSA. Current Michelin Pilot Challenge team Rebel Rock Racing will make the step up to the WeatherTech Championship with a customer Corvette in 2024. Before the Rolex even got underway, the GTD pole-sitting Windward Racing Mercedes found themselves on the back foot after a huge practice crash that sent driver Lucas Auer to the hospital on Thursday. Auer was running the car in practice when he lost control of the car and crashed into the concrete wall on the exit of turn two. The safety team would have to extract him through the roof of the car, ultimately having to cut the roll cage, and it would require a replacement chassis. I don't know if I'd say it luckily for the team in this situation, because this is a pretty unlucky thing to have happen, but fortunate for the team they did have a replacement car at their shop in texas and they were able to truck that in they were also able to draft in former allegra motorsports mercedes gt3 driver daniel morad to fill in that seat 
The team worked very, very hard to prepare this car and ultimately had it ready to go for the start of the Rolex on Saturday afternoon. The team and drivers, especially Morad, they came together exceptionally well in this race and put forward a very, very strong effort, contending for the lead throughout the entirety of the race. However, contact late in the race from a safety car restart ultimately forced them to retire the car and end their Rolex just a little bit early. Regardless, it was a great showing for the team despite the events that unfolded over the previous days. And it has been announced that Auer underwent successful surgery and is expected to make a full recovery. Sportscar 365 reported this weekend that IMSA is open to an LMH manufacturer coming over to the series mid-season and competing in races. IMSA technical director Matt Kurdock said, We just need enough notice from an LMH manufacturer to be able to schedule the aerodynamic evaluation and all of the analysis that is associated with it. Now, this definitely isn't confirmation that they're fielding inquiries from LMH manufacturers. It certainly isn't a bad sign that IMSA would be willing to put the work in mid-season to be able to accommodate an LMH manufacturer that maybe wanted to pop in for one of the later season races at, say, Indy or Petit Le Mans. This certainly wasn't something that I expected to hear coming out of this weekend, but really it gets me thinking, you know, how great would it be to see a Toyota or a Ferrari LMH also running on the grid before the end of this season? This might have been the Rolex 24 weekend, but the WeatherTech Championship was not the only class out on track this past weekend. The Michelin Pilot Challenge had their season opening BMW M Endurance race on Friday. The four-hour race really saw some great battles throughout it and ultimately saw NASCAR drivers Harrison Burton and Zane Smith taking the win in the GS class with their PF Racing Ford Mustang. They beat out the number 83 BGB Motorsports Porsche by right around seven-tenths of a second, while fellow NASCAR drivers Haley Deegan and Ben Rhodes completed the podium in the other PF Racing Ford. GS wasn't the only class with a close finish. In TCR, it was Gavin Earnstone and John Morley winning in their first-generation Audi RS3 by just four-tenths of a second over the number 73 LA Honda World Civic. That number 73 was driven by Mike LaMera and William Talley. Meanwhile, the number 98 Brian Herta Autosport entry of Mark Wilkins and Mason Filippi rounded out that podium. And you can't talk about IMSA Support Series races without talking about the MX-5 Cup. They also had their first two rounds of the season, and as you would expect, they did not disappoint. Race 1 saw the fourth closest finish in MX-5 Cup history, and it was actually one one-thousandth of a second closer than the LMP2 finish that we would see in the Rolex. And it was Tyler Gonzalez that emerged victorious in his number 51 Copeland Motorsports entry. After not the strongest qualifying effort, Tyler Gonzalez, who started 19th, would make his way through the field over the course of this race and timed his final move coming through the NASCAR tri-oval perfectly to be able to capture this victory. As I just mentioned, he would win by 15 one-thousandths of a second over the second-place finishing Connor Zilich in what was a three-wide finish with the third-place finishing Sam Paley on the inside. Overall, the top nine finishers in this race were separated by just four-tenths of a second. Race two was no slouch either, with the race being decided by a one-lap 
dash to the finish line after a late safety car. This time it would be 2022 MX5 Cup champion Jared Thomas who timed his move perfectly to get around race one winner Tyler Gonzalez to take that victory by just under a tenth of a second. The two cars kind of broke away from third place finishing Gresham Wagner on that one lap shootout. Gresham Wagner would finish about 1.1 seconds behind. And this race really featured some great racing and great saves also out on track. Most notably was between Sam Paley and Max Apolsky going into turn one. The two made a little bit of contact after... They were racing for kind of the same piece of real estate going into the corner and uh, and ultimately both cars kind of kicked out sideways and you just see both drivers really having to work the wheel to save those cars, prevent them from looping around. Ultimately, it was two great saves by two great drivers and you can go and check out the entirety of the first two races of the season on the IMSA YouTube channel. Their next race of the season comes in support of IndyCar March 3rd to 5th at St. Pete's. That's going to wrap up our season opening Rolex recap. Make sure to go check out the video version of the show on YouTube and also follow along on Twitter. Links to both of those can be found in the show notes. Also, a big thank you once again to all of our early Patreon supporters and make sure to check the show notes if you too want to support the show. Once again, thanks for tuning in. I hope everyone has a great race weekend and doesn't go off in the S's.